If life exists beyond this meat suit that we wear, what happens next? Do we go to a place filled with clouds, harps, and bottomless beers, and all-you-can-eat McRibs? Or someplace darker, more sinister and evil, like Sandusky, Ohio, where we're forced to listen to Fleetwood Mac albums on constant loop? Maybe we get a chance to do it all over again choosing a life to return to and experience new things, learn new lessons, or we just blink out of existence like Pauly Shore's movie career. It's hard to say with any level of confidence, but there are those that have shared their stories, stories of reincarnation, encounters with ghosts, and the afterlife. And tonight we explore these tales and more when we return on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps... Baloney, perhaps not. Jamie Kaler is an actor, comedian, father, podcaster, and forced movie critic right here on this show. Today, he joins me to discuss the strange and the supernatural as we explore celebrity reincarnation stories and people's strange encounters with visitors from the other side. You can check Jamie along with his partner, uh, Jason Gowan on the Parents Lounge, where parents unite live Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. Jamie, as always, it's great to have you back, sir. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me. I know we've talked, and, and you're kind of still on the fence about what really is paranormal, what, what happens, are ghosts real? What's, do you have any thoughts on the concept of reincarnation? I find reincarnation super, uh, super interesting. I mean, that's that's the Dalai Lama, right? Where he he picks what they have a kid and he picks out one of the items and then they go, that's the one. That's the kid. Um, when I was a kid, there was a movie, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Have you ever heard of right. that movie? Yeah, I have. As a matter of fact, we did a movie review on this show yeah. about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find the whole concept so intriguing. It would be, I mean, how great would that be, right? But would you know who, you know, I'm always amazed when people are like, oh, I knew that, like, Shirley McLean goes all the way back, right? right? She she can trace it all the way back or something. I just find it so interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope, I hope, I hope I come back as a, uh, as a dolphin. <laughs> That's your choice of every, yeah, everything in the world. Carefree life. I don't know. Maybe a hummingbird. <laughs> A carefree life. You're you're forced to perform for, uh, you know. Well, I don't want to be in the sea. All sea world. They don't have to. They don't have to hunt for food. You know what? I'd love, I'd love to come back as a trust fund kid. I think that would be if I had a choice. Wow. That would be my choice. Trust fund kid. Good deal. Can I come yeah. back as your best friend then, who's also a trust fund kid, and we're living life uh, unlike we are right now? Dude, we'd be in the Upper East Side of New York. All we would do is, like, shop for new sneakers and check out music clubs at night. And, I mean, we'd die young of drug overdoses, but uh, it would be a hell of a ride, Dave. We'd really enjoy ourselves. Spend summer in the Hamptons. A flash in the pan, uh, but a, a hell Dubai. of a blaze. I mean, you want to go to Dubai, right? Come on, brother. Who doesn't want to go to Dubai? 
I don't know that I want to go to. We buy some NFTs. I'd buy like a, uh, you know, a Halle Berry autograph NFT for $2.5 million, even though it has no inherent value whatsoever. None. We just don't care. We have money. We don't, we don't know what to do with it. It's like Brewster's millions. Like you have to spend this money. And uh, the, the toy, don't forget the toy. Another great movie where it proved that we as white rich people could buy a black comedian to be our friend and take care of our children. I love yeah, that movie wouldn't do as good today, would it? <laughs> no, it would not. No, not uh, but it should. I think it's gonna. I think the pendulum is gonna swing back. Johnny Depp spends two million dollars a month. Apparently, he. I guess in 2016, his agent testified in the recent trial, and uh, she said, "Yeah, he came to us and said you need to give me twenty million dollars." And they go, um, "I don't know if you know this, Johnny. We're not a bank. We're your agent." And oh. he said, "Well, I've spent a lot of money, and I feel like I've made you a lot of money. So you." So they were like, yeah, we're not, we're not giving you 20 million first and foremost. And so they sent him to a bank and the bank worked out a loan. He said, you know, these people are in such concepts of they'd have no idea. Like if you said, Johnny, what does a gallon of milk cost? He'd be like $2,000. Like he wouldn't, they have no concept of human life. And I'm not sure why we, as the normal blue collar uh, people of this country, why we idolize them so much because doesn't it just seems i don't know it seems gratuitous and not grounded and not as have it doesn't seem as fun a, as everybody thinks it is have i slipped into an alternative reality where jamie Kaler's not a tv actor comedian movie star and movie uh, star <laughs> i've seen dragon I drove my kids to school came home and made uh, had a clean breakfast like they i go hey guys clear your plates they don't even just not clear their plates. She takes the Nutella thing. Like I make them crepes and uh, she just mm, takes ooh. a giant. They just stuff the knives in the Nutella. So then I have to pull them out and scrape the Nutella off. She had, or she could beg me for orange juice. I gave her some, she didn't drink it, but she took all the berries that I put out in a bowl and just poured them in with the orange juice. I was like, great. Destroy the whole. So honestly, Johnny Depp's life seems like a, like a joy ride at this point. <laughs> Amber Heard, bring her on. Amber, uh, uh, I, her new name is Amber, the poop herd round the world. Oh, man, that what a crazy-ass life. And that's why we can only hope we can be reincarnated at some point and get a chance to live some of these zany lives to see what it's like for us. Now, we've got some stories here to share, celebrities, and this is why I wanted you to be a part of it because I thought you'd have some fun riffing on these with me. Uh, first up, I, and I have not as obvious in my opening tonight. I'm not a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and I just think I love it's Fleetwood ironic. I, love I just think it's Fleetwood ironic Mac. that this was the first story in my reincarnation journey that I was able to uncover. Stevie Nicks apparently believes that she is a reincarnated uh, soul. In 1982, during an interview, and I don't know if you know this, but there were interviews inside Playboy magazine, Jamie. No, no, and, no. Uh, you're confusing that with a different. Are you thinking about Time magazine? No, no. Uh, it says right here in a 1982 interview with Playboy magazine, she said, I spent a lot of time in old churches like a monk. I'm very comfortable around that kind of music. Only one year before, in 1981, she had a different chat with Rolling Stone discussing similar topics. And she said, I do believe I was a monk in another life. So... Stevie Nicks, when you think Stevie Nicks, does Monk come to mind? Would that be what you would have thought she might have been in a past life? No, Tony Shalhoub obviously was a monk in a previous life. I mean, that that writes itself. I thought, I thought maybe you're saying she was Tony Shalhoub in a past life. That'd... 
Tony Jolie, when he made Monk, was probably like, yeah, I used to be, I feel like Monk is the right character name. Um, I love Fleetwood Mac, by the way. Stevie Nicks, honestly, one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, but let's True. face 1982, the amount of drugs coursing through her veins at that point may have affected her opinion in some way. But okay. um, I do think certain people are touched by the hand of God, I guess is a mm -hmm. way to put it. But she... Um, she has a very artistic side to her and she's, I mean, she's definitely an empath in a way where she can take other people's emotions and kind of put them into an artistic form. So it would not surprise me whatsoever if she had uh, spent her time in a Tibetan monastery, uh, you know, gonging the bell and uh, being silent. <laughs> gonging the bell and now she's banging the, the bong. I think it all works out the about same. T-Rex. T-Rex would bang the gong. He yes. could have easily been a monk. I mean, think about other artists who would have been a monk, right? Oh, it's interesting that you bring that up because our next topic is Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal has been recognized as what's known as a tolku, which is the incarnation of a Buddhist lama. Now, according to the <clears throat> Guardian, Steven Seagal got the recognition by the oldest sect of Tibetan Buddhism. So they believe, they believe that he, in fact, was one of these lamas, that he was a very spiritual teacher. Sure. I, I know nothing of this man being anything seemingly spiritual. He seems to be one of those guys who spouts a lot of rhetoric and I've spoken, believe it or not, I've actually spoken to friends of his who talk about just what a horrible human being he is to most people he comes into contact with. And those are his friends. Um, right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not deep into Buddhism. I know, I know a tad about Buddhism and it feels like that a Buddhist might not beat the sweet Jesus out of Kelly LeBrock on a regular basis, but I don't know how Buddhism, you know, the, I don't know the fine details about it. But the fact that he is such a horrific person, I would say maybe maybe he was a Buddhist. And be, when you get reincarnated, they go, well, let's let's see life from the other side. You know, so you, and then you boom, you're Steven Seagal. So his first life was like this peaceful, gentle life. And then when he came back, he's like, I'm an anti-Buddhist. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, I've heard, he is the antithesis of kind of the opposite of this whole deal. I've heard some bad things about him. Yeah. Here's another one that kind of surprised me. Lady Gaga also believes that she was reincarnated. She, of course, is the born this way hit maker. And she had a chat with Bollywood superstar Shah Rukhan Khan, mm -hmm. who uh, revealed that she firmly believes in reincarnation and, in fact, claims that she is her own aunt's reincarnation. Gaga said, I believe you can be reborn over and over again. And I believe I was my father's sister. My father's sister died when she was 19 years old, and I believe her spirit is with me. And so I believe that I am truly her reincarnation. It, interesting part about this article, the word died has been redacted. It's D star 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 D. It, of all the words you could try to clear, it wasn't the F word. It wasn't, but died. They had to. Yeah. yeah. Makes, I guess makes it, sense. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want people to know about that stuff. Um, she, uh, it's never, it's never like Phil from the auto shop who's like, dude, you're not going to believe who I was in the 1700s. Crazy. I, you know, it's always like an artist who 
feels things. Who's got to go? No, I think there's a lot of people that feel that, but obviously people are more uh, interested in the celebrated. I think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, Lady Gaga wasn't, you know, it's not like she was like, oh, I believe I was Evita Perone in a past. Like she was her own aunt. So that's yeah. kind of cool to, to get that kind of consideration that, you know, she she's not putting herself up on any kind of pedestal for reincarnation to have been, you know. But it's a Ava very Brown specific family something. member. So what she's insinuating yeah. is that it's following a chain. It's not just like when I die. I get reincarnated as a uh, nurse in Columbus, Ohio. Like it's never just a random chain. It's, it's very specifically down the road. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, we're another, we're another... told that there are these life pods that we get reincarnated into. So you and I maybe have been brothers in past lives or, or lovers perhaps. And, and now um, the both. next life, right. <laughs> we could have lived in Arkansas. Who knows? Uh, we, in our next life, we may be um, boss and an employee or something, but you seem to cycle through these same soul groups of people that come in and out of your lives. I mean, I love the thought process of it all. It's beautiful to Mm -hmm. me. And I mean, I do think that people who are uh, truly artistic like that, like Lady Gaga's really gifted. Stevie Nicks the same way. They Mm -hmm. are able to, um, you know, articulate, the human spirit in a way that's pretty amazing. So it would not surprise me at all if they had past lives and they draw on that to a degree to then um, create the type of art form that inspires others. Yeah, I'd buy it. Well, you remember, uh, you're a Beatles fan, right? Who, the Beat Beat? Yes, of course. Yeah, they were uh, yeah. they were this English version of the famous Monkees band here in the They'll United States. They'll be one of the few bands remembered 500 years from now. Yeah. I, I completely and thoroughly agree. And of course, one of the things that'll be remembered is the big uh, controversy that surrounded them when it, taken out of context, uh, John Lennon was quoted as saying that the Beatles were bigger than God, right? Bigger than and Jesus. Around and all those idiots that burned them went out and rebought them. So their, their albums just kept selling. Yeah. But Here's something I didn't know about. Now, I knew about that controversy, and I know what he was trying to say. He was just saying that in today's environment, things are a little weird because it's they they didn't even know how to surround it, that it's like their words seem more important than, than Christ's words. And it wasn't a slam on religion. It was just the slam on the fact that people are seeking guidance and interest from other venues other than the church at that time. But I found this out recently, and uh, this kind of, this blew me away. I don't know if you knew this, but John Lennon, and again, maybe he was in the, the influence of something, um, believed in reincarnation and stated in the book Magical Mystery Tour, My Life with the Beatles, written by Tony Bromwell, who grew up close to the band members. According to Tony, John said, after taking LSD, that I've got something very important to tell you. I am Jesus Christ. I've come back again. This is my thing. Does that surprise you that that he would have? I mean, I don't know if you've ever taken a hallucinogenic of any type. I've had, I, I took an ayahuasca psilocybin journey that was amazing. I never got that that feel that I was anything of import in a past life through that. But does it surprise you to hear that John Lennon believed that he might have been the reincarnation of Jesus Christ himself? Not at all. No, no. And honestly, if, you know, people always are like, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. 
if he were going to come back as anybody, John Lennon's a pretty good choice, right? Like, he was at the time, his words were, um, you know, held up by a good hunk of the Earth's population as, um, you know, words to live by. And so, in a way, you know, it's not the Bible, but it is um, people will follow him. You know, and look, Christian, you say he he said he was bigger than Jesus, but you know, there's there's other religions. It's like it's not just Christianity. You know, there's other gods. It's Buddhism, Hinduism, or whatever. And so, I think at that time, worldwide, he was absolutely right. With the youth, especially people under 25 at the time, which was probably mm-hmm. a good hunk of the Earth's population, the Beatles were actually as popular, if not more popular, than uh, than religion. Yeah. So the fact that people like jump at that, I mean, he just said it it, because here was this dude who was like, all of a sudden, they're the most famous people on earth. It's like Johnny Depp. It's like you get to a point where Tom Cruise, you are so detached from reality. reality, Well, I can just walk up and slap this guy in the face. (laughs) You're like, they are so detached from reality that in a way, they're almost the anti-Jesus. Jesus was of the people and trying to help everybody be one. But these guys are so isolated that they have no concept of how the world is working. But I do think John Lennon always kept in touch with um, the common man and always he, he truly seeked to make the world a better place in the same way Jesus did. So it would not surprise me whatsoever. And maybe by 40, he was like, look, I, I missed my mark. I can't do it. I can't change the world. And so he made his demise to move on and maybe he's back as somebody else now trying you know maybe he's justin bieber and now he's as bieber he's like god damn it i can't i can't change people's minds as one like if jesus was going to come back (laughs) as one person to try to make the world a better place who who would they come back as not justin bieber i'm just going to go on the record jamie Uh, i don't think that's it it couldn't be you couldn't be the head of, you know, you couldn't be the president of China or the, you couldn't be one isolated uh, right. country's person, right? Who would you, who's one person who could, Shakira? Like, who's the most popular person who could speak to the world and go, listen, everybody, we got to get, we got to pull this together. Who could do it? Well, uh, The Rock, obviously. I don't you know think what? Need to the Rock, honestly, Dave, that's the, ch- honestly, worldwide, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about it. The Rock. <laughs> Honestly, when was The Rock born? Uh, was The Rock? No, he's well, he was born after 1980 or before 1980. So he's there's no way, unless he just or, sidestepped. Maybe maybe he left John Lennon and went, and The Rock was like a kid. He was like, you know. We'll talk about that. I've got a theory, uh, according to one of our other guests. You have to apologize. I was <clears throat> at an event all weekend, and uh, it was very moist in this prison. <laughs> and hot and steamy and uh yeah. allergens and black yeah. mold i'm pretty sure i've breathed in more raccoon fecal matter than i ever have in my life not that i was trying to outdo my past but i feel like that's what's affecting me right now i thought when you were <clears> saying <throat> you were at a hot sweaty prison all weekend I, all i thought was orgy i thought you were at like a prison orgy in some weird uh, well i didn't say that didn't happen i'm just telling you but, that uh, you i know, mean this, there was that's also raccoon feces in there yeah I get it. Yeah, lots of raccoon feces. <laughs> here's uh, here's another story for you. Sylvester Stallone. Now, Sly, of course, as we know him personally, Jamie, um, 
not one of the Beatles. Also, we'll be clear about that. According to The Guardian, when he did an interview with them, the actor told uh, interviewers in 1980 that whenever I see a guillotine, I get a strange uh, sense of serenity. But why, though? Stallone claims that he lived through the French Revolution, which was 1789 to 1799, in one of his past lives, and also that he was an animal in another one of his lives. Now, here's an interesting deal. That's that's an interesting take. First of all, I don't know why you would look at a guillotine and think, oh, that brings me peace. That's one of the most horrific ways to kill somebody. I wonder I if you thought argue, he was one of the I actually would trigger pullers. I think it's maybe the quickest, most painless way. No, they didn't always sharpen the blade. There was well, times they had to lift it a couple times. You'd have to tip the guy, right? They t- used to tip <laughs> right. the executioner for a clean really? cut. No kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day with the axe guy, the guy, and uh-huh. you tip him, and he was like, "Hey, you know, keep it, keep it tight." He was uh, the original sure great clips. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. That the clean, yeah, I know. You wow, need, you need a clean. You think they would just nuts. put enough weight on the thing? It didn't matter how sharp it was; it would just smash through it. So, I mean, if it's well, a clean cut, I would argue it's one of the best ways to go. Here's something cool, and I know you've, you've had to have seen these. There are these images that pop up from time to time where it's like, my God, if you're going to believe in reincarnation, look at this. This is Sylvester Stallone next to a portrait, a very famous old portrait by some famous artist that I've forgotten already. But that's a pretty uncanny resemblance. No, that's him. That's actually him. There's that's no, yeah, yeah, he posed for that, I think. I mean, uh, it might be Frank, but it's definitely a Stallone. We know that. It's a Stallone. Well, the yeah, question is, no can doubt. that guy sing? If he sings, it's Frank. If he doesn't sing, it's Sly. That's how you tell the difference between the two. Let's jump into some singers, as a matter of fact. This one was kind of interesting. Miley Cyrus. And this is going to go back to what we were just talking about a few seconds ago. In a video for Billboard, singer and Hannah Montana star Miley Cyrus talked about her favorite female music stars. And that list included rapper Lil' Kim. And she said, in my past life, I believe Lil' Kim was me. While Miley's claims are not precisely accurate, according to The Guardian, as Lil' Kim is still, in fact, alive, she is uh, kind of a, an incarnation of Lil' Kim. But here's here's what I want to tell you. Here's my, my concept on this. Um, I think we see reincarnation in the wrong light. When we make fun of, oh, yeah, there's eight guys that believe they were Napoleon Bonaparte, and they're all alive at the same time. What if? According to the the theories, in the afterlife, time is not linear. If I die today, why couldn't I come back as a contemporary of mine? Maybe these are avatars, right? And I want to know what it's like. Next time, I want, I want to come back and find out what it's like to be a successful stand-up comedian. I want Jamie Kaler's life. So when I die, I just reincarnate into you. I get to live that life and and see it and experience it. Now I'm going to be Marilyn Monroe. Now I'm going to be Elvis. So that could explain why people have multiple lives that they believe they're these famous incarnations. So maybe she feels akin to Lil' Kim because prior to coming into the life of Miley Cyrus, she was Lil' Kim. When that physical form died, she reincarnated into Miley Cyrus so she could be a kid living in the era of Lil' Kim. Because going back to the Beatles, talking about how huge they got, think about this, Jamie. The Beatles lived in an era when they didn't get to have the Beatles, right? You you don't have the Beatles when you're one of them. You'll never know what it's like to live a life like Elvis. There was no Elvis for Elvis. 
There was just his life. So maybe you come back so that you can now live your life as Elvis in the form of Dave Schrader being a fan and seeing this character blow up. I don't know, very timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, but I like that concept that maybe we can incarnate into whoever we want to try these aspects of life. Well, why can't you also, we multitask in real life, right? I'm sitting there Mm -hmm. on my computer. I have the TV on. I'm also talking to somebody. I'm doing a bunch of things. I'm folding laundry simultaneously. Why can't we um, like, you know, like wear a shaker of salt and then we, we put a little of our own essence into a handful of people and we're, we're spread out. We're just not one linear being, but more of a, uh, a carpet that's kind of covering covering a bunch of people so maybe maybe you come maybe you're you know you're hopscotching around oh i'm here i'm here i'm here yeah i don't know sounds great though i'm in yeah. is there a place i can sign up for it i'm on yeah right it'd be cool to know that you can kind of come back as whoever in another life obviously um a lot of the the big theories out there are that when you step in the next one you're making a soul contract you can decide kind of a la carte which always sounds weird to me because it's why would I choose to come back as somebody who's going to die a painful death or uh, abused as a child of an alcoholic or molested in church or whatever? It seems like, why would you do that? But I guess if you've been around long enough, like the movie Groundhog's Day, at one point, Bill Murray tried everything, right? And and teaching himself, would you, if you had that eternity, would you try everything to see what does it feel like? What would I have done? Because in this life, I could say the minute that priest told me, you know, hey, bend over and pick up that quarter for me. I had elbowed him in the nuts, shot to the nose, and it would have been done, right? But what is it like to be in that moment? Maybe we do in these infinite time loops, choose these lives so that we can experience everything and see how we would have responded in these positions. I just want to know why the priest was Irish. I mean, why do you hate Irish people so bad, Dave? It's really It's not that I I'm Irish myself. I'm I'm an Schrader. Irish Scottish angry man. I don't it makes no sense. I I gave blood to hey, ancestors. I'm Irish too, but we we're, we're the German Irish. Yeah. The German, German, German get, Irish. <clears throat> I'm like um, 3% German and mostly Irish and Scottish with the last name Schrader. I don't know. I don't know. It must have been one of my family members came over on like the Mayflower and changed their name to avoid prosecution or something. So really quick, say the, say the theory again, the big theory out there is that what did you we just make say a before? soul contract you make in a soul between contract. lives and, and we can choose kind of a la carte. I want to have a life like this. And this time I want to be like you were saying earlier, I want to come back as that trust fund kid. I yeah. want but be careful though. Maybe you come back as that trust fund kid who did away with Natalie Holloway and then has to deal with all that. You know, there's always that monkey's paw curse yeah. that with every wish. Hold on, Natalie Holloway. First of yeah. all, um, if you're at a really good restaurant, never go a la carte, really, because the chef has he's paired things together. He knows. You, I love when people are like, oh, I don't want it this way. Yeah, you do. The guy, that's what he does for a living. Nah, no, they go together, man. And ask the waiter for the pairing with the wine. Don't don't go a la carte. Just you know what you do? You go to the specials. You go to you go to what they're known for. You don't you know, you're a steakhouse, you don't get a you don't get you don't get a salad. You don't get the fish. Don't waste your time with the fish. You get the steak. Come on, brother. Right. Um, I don't go secondly, to Denny's for, for fish fry. I go to Denny's for Moons over Miami. That's what they're Reznor known for. Reznor has a line in one of his songs I I cut myself again just so I could feel. So I think you're right in a way, because Groundhog Day, which, by the way, I think is one of the most brilliant Harold Ramis scripts of all time, because it 
it goes, and he said, I saw him get interviewed. He said, we sat down for a long time writing it. And we just sat in a room and said, what would you do next? I have actually watched it so many times. We've tried to add up how many days. Because, you know, the first, the first 10 years, the first 3,000 days, he's still just stumbling through it. It's, they said maybe 10,000 days was the theory by the time the end. He get, it's 10,000 days is what they think. Because he kills himself. He finally gets to a point. He's like, I can't take this anymore. He slept with everybody in town. He learned piano. He cannot do anything. Any- Actually, he learns piano after he kills himself. That's when he starts to better himself. But he, mm-hmm. he's, he, and it's such, it was like the five stages of grief until he finally has acceptance. And that's when she falls in love with him and breaks the curse. It's so good. Spoiler uh, alert. Thanks, Kaylor. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, listen, if you haven't seen it by now. So there's a, in the French Dispatch is another one, um, mm-hmm. Wes Anderson. Incredible, incredible. I don't know if you've seen it. It was it was nominated for not. Best Picture last year. It's actually it's so well done. It's it's a crazy film though. But the guy uh, he eats something poisonous. He's a crazy chef, world renowned chef. He's had every taste, and he, he he has to eat something poisonous to save everybody or whatever. And so I'm in a long time. I tasted a new flavor, and he loves it, wow. even though it's killing him because. He's done everything. He's done everything in life. And all of a sudden, and he describes it so interestingly of the flavor of the poison. And he's like, it was kind of incredible that I got to taste this new sensation. So in a way, I love the whole concept of reincarnation because I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm all, and I'm dealing with this with my kids about like, just try it, man. How do you know? Try it. Mm -hmm try it so when people like no they poo poo ideas and they go no no you go you're missing out yeah sure you try something it's terrible or whatever but then all of a sudden you try something you're like oh my god i found my new my new path so i'm all i'm all in favor of it and if if anything like that can inspire these artists who create the stuff that kind of drives us like lady gaga is an amazing artist and stevie nicks and all these people john lennon john lennon is one of my favorite still to this Mm day agreed the worst death in my lifetime. Like I still, every year, still to this day, it was 1980. I remember vividly where I was as a kid. And uh, every day I'm like, really? All the people on earth, all the people you could have killed. Fucking took John Lennon. John Lennon? That's the guy. You know what? I thought they, this is what should have been his punishment. Because he, you know, he keeps getting up for parole. And I said, all right, here's, here's your punishment. You learn piano and guitar. And you start writing songs. And when we feel like you have given us the amount of music that you cost us from John Lennon, we're going to let you out of jail, brother. But until then, you. I can't believe out of all the humans on earth, that's the dude you took out. Really? That's the guy. The give peace the chance guy. Okay. Especially when Tiny Tim was still alive, right? Still alive! (laughs) That's horrible. I'm sorry. This, All right, tonight, I'm going to share a terrible, terrible, one okay. terrible joke about okay. uh, Bill Hicks. Bill All Hicks. Right. Do you know who Bill Hicks is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Super famous, dark comedian. Died young, I think from cancer or whatever. He, uh, back in those days, said horrible things. And he has a joke. He goes, John Lennon. He goes, it's the crime of the century. I can't believe it. John Lennon, six shots fired. John Lennon goes down dead. Six shots. Not even one hits Yoko Ono. Not one. Unbelievable. 
what a crime like so right. shit. horrible you know, they did this joke forever people were like back in those days people were like yeah now if you did that joke people would go i'm sorry what they would you'd be immediately canceled in life crazy meanwhile you can send your hate mail to jamie at i've been canceled.com hey, for you can send it to bill hicks uh actually i wonder maybe where's bill hicks reincarnated into that's where i would love to know maybe bill burr i don't know they actually crossed paths so it can't be bill burr but unless is, they're living that contiguous for life, you guys yeah. out there who want to go back in time before like today where we're uh you know we're we're dealing with all of this sensitivity training go back and watch a couple of uh bill hicks tapes online somewhere and you'll go like oh the 80s i remember those nice let's jump back in kate beckinsale also believes that she was reincarnated just can we just take a second to appreciate the perfection that is kate beckinsale here unbelievable it's a beautiful Um, package um oh she's yeah package the packaging's beautiful but i i hear the inside might be a little on the uh, darker side but um, i don't know i don't know i i follow her on instagram she I makes know. me laugh on the regular basis she is funny witty charming beautiful and dorky the perfect woman uh kate beckinsale in an appearance on the david letterman show mm-hmm. she uh she talked about some of her extreme water sports that she's practiced in the past describing the experience as something that gave her vietnam flashbacks the TV host asked her if she was in, if she believed she was in the war. And she said, I really do believe that I may have been in the Vietnam War. Can you clarify water sports real quickly? Yeah, that's, that was the only article. The only part of the article that exists is just that quick mm-hmm. mention. She yeah. thinks she was in the Vietnam War. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. She, uh, yeah. I mean, she's also done a lot of war movies, so she might just be having a flashback to one of the scripts from before. But um, a flashback to a movie flashback. Bingo! That is like a, another Groundhog Day loop. I know. Um, Tina yeah. Turner. Let me let me get this real quick. We just have a couple left on these, and we got to take a break. But hold on, Tina Turner is not so secretive about this. She believes she was reincarnation, and that her past life, according to her autobiography, I Tina. Um, is one of the first big celebrities to talk about this, I guess, in her beliefs. Tina talks about her ideologies in her famous track, I Might Have Been Queen, specifically those related to ancient Egypt. What is this all about? Well, the well-renowned music star believes that she is the reincarnation of 18th dynasty of Egypt's female pharaoh, Hadesh put Wow, a great pronunciation. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah, H A T S H E P S U T. Hat she put put. I don't know. I seem like I'm missing it just a little bit. No, I think you're nailing. No, please, that's exactly. Huh? Say it again. How to hat a bush put put. How to hat a bush put put. I'm not. I, uh, I don't speak fluent. I'm Egyptian hearing it anymore. It sounds perfect yeah. to me. I'm. I might be wrong, but how to she put put put. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I knew it right out of the shoot. How about this? There's this interesting controversy that they believe that Billie Eilish may in fact be the reincarnation of Kurt Cobain. So much so that I guess even Dave Grohl has weighed in on it at a point. Um, Billie Eilish, now this case is not really related to her believing she was reincarnated, but um, it's related to the fans' opinions. And in 2021, Twitter user Walter Simcue shared a link to the reincarnation research website which shows images of Billy and Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain's physical similarities, suggesting that the late singer had reincarnated in her. 
all good, right? However, two years before, Dave Grohl compared Billy's talent to Nirvana's, describing her as an authentic rock star for Variety. In an interview with Radio X, Billy commented about it and said, I can't even believe that. Are you kidding? He said, rock isn't dead because of me. Dude, I grew up on that. Here's an interesting uh, image. I th this might have been from Walter Simcue. He's known for these flip images where he'll put a, the, the person and who he believes was reincarnated side by side, and then you flip them upside down, and they're supposed to be these interesting kind of uh, mirror looks to it. I don't see it so much with Kurt Cobain and Billie Eilish look-wise, other than they both kind of have blonde hair, eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Well, they're both but, in black and white, too. That's got to mean something. <laughs> that's got to be. That's got to be. Now, how about this? Princess Diana. Sure. Right? This is a story with a twist for you, though, Kami. Kami. Kami Jailer. <clears throat> Your past life name. Jamie Kaler. Uh, this one has a twist. Were you aware that there is an Australian boy who claims he is the reincarnated soul of Princess Diana? TV presenter David Campbell talks about this because it's his son, Billy. He's told his parents that the soul of the late British royal is inside of him. Mm -hmm. David revealed that it all started when his then two-year-old son saw an image of Lady Di and said, look, it's me when I was a princess. And I guess he's gone on to tell some pretty shocking revelations and things that he, this, this young boy, two, three, four years old, should not know about the life of Princess Diana. So to me, that's a pretty compelling story that is is contemporary and you know obviously if the kid's only two to four years old uh you know when he started talking about this and princess god can you believe princess diana's been gone over 20 years now crazy dude that's, that's insane crazy. yeah so princess diana uh possibly reincarnated into a four-year-old australian boy if you guys have your own stories and you believe you've been reincarnated, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Dave, at Paranormal60.com. That's Dave at Paranormal60.com. Remember, tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, you're going to want to check out the Parents' Lounge, Surviving Parenthood One Week at a Time. Jamie Kaler, Jason Gowan, and some of their other close friends are a part of this program, and you can check it out. We have to take a uh, quick break. When we come back from the break, we've got some ghost stories to share. We'll have Jamie weigh in on ghost stories and uh, see what his thoughts are. We'll do that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. This is the Paranormal 60, and if you'd like to get your Paranormal 60 protection and energy bracelet, you can email me, Dave, at Paranormal60.com. I will send you the link, or you can just go to uh, Paranormal60.com. Click on the store tab, and you'll find the information there by scrolling down. You can buy my book. You can get autographs. You can find the Paranormal 60 Uh, energy and protection bracelet all of that right on our site our guest today this evening jamie kaler and a good buddy of ours who's been on the show before helping us review movies and talk about the supernatural the paranormal i wanted to have him back because i thought it was interesting with the celebrity views do you ever look and is it unfair that we kind of summarily dismiss celebrities when they come out and talk about these woo-woo things like just another celebrity talking out of their ass or do you think that you know there's something to this you've had to do your fair share of interviews and, and get bored with just giving the same answers over and over. Do you think they're just tossing something into sound intriguing and, and uh, have something else to talk about? Yeah, no, I think I, I truly believe most of them are, you know, that's their beliefs. You know, you get to a place where you are, um, you know, at that level, you, your brain can wander wherever you want. And, And I do think, you know, some of these people, that's, they probably felt that way their whole life. And that's maybe what cast them on the path towards fame is that they, they had this belief that they there was some, a bigger, higher purpose. And so they didn't get caught up in the daily grind of everything. They were truly focused on their path uh, to, to success and driven in a way that others aren't. It's really, it's really hard sometimes to keep that focus. Like I'm always, I'm always amazed at the Academy Awards when somebody holds it up and they go, I never had a backup plan, man. This was it. It was either a world famous actor, Academy Award, or I was going to be homeless. I'm not that guy. I had a plan B and a C and a D. And every time something failed, I just went, all right, what's next on the list? Uh, I I like comfort a little too much. So I'm, I'm never going to be that guy who's not, like, you know, it's like the guys who tattoo their face in a band and you're like, okay, I guess it's band or nothing. Those are your, you've made a choice. Right. I'm not you're that guy. I was like, oh, listen, if the acting thing doesn't work out, maybe advertising. I don't know, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> get a day job if I have to. I don't care anymore. I love it. So hey, you know, I, I don't know. We, something some people are just they're wired that way, and I totally. I right. mean, I hope I you know I love when people poo poo stuff. That's like I haven't seen the proof of it yet, but I haven't seen the proof against it yet. So I'm hopeful that all this stuff. I mean, it just makes it so much more fun and so much more interesting, wouldn't it? If we bounced around, I was I was looking at uh, people who died on the day I was born or the year I was born. Right. Because I do think if you are, you know, there's, I guess there's always such a, Oh, he stuck, he stuck around for four years in the, in the weird region before he jumped back into my body. Cause mm-hmm. that was, so it was like Peter Laurie, Herbert Hoover, where the, like the year I was born, they died. So it was funny to see the list of people who died. Cause you'd be like, well, I just watched heaven can wait too. Do you know the movie? Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. I just watched it. It was on Turner classic the other night. Mm-hmm. And there's such a hopeful vibe. Isn't there about mm-hmm. like, well, maybe the next lifetime, 
will be crazy, insane, good. Or I just loved it because he James James Mason puts him into all these other bodies, and it's so great. He puts, you know, he's like, and he's wandering around. They see the race car driver get smoked, and finally he goes to the one rich guy who falls in love with Julie Christie. But then they, he pulls him out. He goes, "It's not, it's not your time, Joe. It's not your time." And so, yeah. and then he pulls him out and he puts him in the other one, and the guy pops up at the Super Bowl and is like, "Let's do it." It's such a good movie. It's, uh, it's the original is called "Here Comes Mr. Jordan." Right. Have and you ever seen the original? Just, I love that premise. He gets up there, and they're all in line to get on the jet. And he's like, no, this is a way station, Joe. And uh, and then he goes, I'm not supposed to be here. And the guy goes, well, let's check the calendar. And the guy's looking, he goes, oh. And then Buck Henry's like, it looked like a messy death, so I pulled him out early. And you're like, you can't do that. He was going to survive it, you idiot. <laughs> and so Buck Henry's the bad guy. goes, just put me back in. And then they go back down, and his body's cremated. And he's like, well, no, I got to find another body. Heaven can wait. So there's your unofficial movie uh, review for this week, folks. If you review. haven't seen it, it's, it's great. Cla- Honestly, yeah, I feel like it could be remade. I mean, that could be remade every twenty years. It's such a brilliant story, mm-hmm. um, and it it really kind of deals with what we all fear of of is this it? Is this just A to B and then nothingness, or is there A to B and we our entities and our thought processes move around? I don't know. But I, I love the I love the thought of it all. It makes it just it it makes me smile. Make, I think it makes everybody happy to ho- be hopeful that mm-hmm. there's something else out there. Agreed. Well, we've got now according to this list I was sent, adults share the chilling childhood experiences and memories that they still cannot explain. And this was like top fifty. I just grabbed a handful of different stories to check out because I like to judge these. When people say this is it, this is a defining moment for me. I like to be judgy, to be honest with you, Jamie. <laughs> See I mean, how defining this moment really is. This first story is called A Terrible Birthday Present. I'm the first and only grandchild in my family, so my grandma was always very fond of me. She was always planning birthday parties for me, and every year she said she couldn't wait for me to turn 15 because it's a very celebrated birthday in my country. When I turned nine, I made a terrifying prediction to her. I ominously told her that she wouldn't make it until my 15th birthday. That in fact, she would only be there for my 10th birthday. I have no idea what made me say that, but the prediction came true. She passed away exactly two weeks after I turned 10. My whole family still remembers that to this day. That's a pretty chilling one. Because, man, I wonder if you had to live with that guilt of feeling like, did I kill her? Did I plant that seed? That that'd be a heavy weight, I think, as a kid to have to deal with. Well, sure, but you have to, you know, just because I can see the train, the train wreck coming, doesn't mean I caused it. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, I totally agreed. But we're, you see we're a guy looking at it. And you see a train coming, and you're like, well, this guy's this is gonna end badly. But it's not my fault. <laughs> I tried to tell the guy but, to get off the tracks. We're looking at it through the lenses of uh, adultism as a kid. How would you yeah. feel if you're like, man, you're not gonna make it, Grandma, and then she dies? You got to be like, oh God. I tried to warn her. I tried to, well, we I tried about to bring her along. Before. Even when we did Haunted Live, there's something about the innocence of a child that, right. um, and they're so new to the world that they haven't quite uh, pushed out any thoughts of a previous life or anything else. So mm-hmm. they are still very present in, in their honesty. And I think that kind of fades for most people as you get older. Obviously, like the, you know, there might be a good explanation as to why the artists who stay forever young 
still feel that way. And where other people who just get into the grind of life, it maybe fades out of their being. But yeah, I mean, my kids still to this day, they say stuff and I'm like, where did that, you know, like there's stuff where right. the little kids say stuff and it does make you kind of understand the Dalai Lama. Um, I love that, by the way, their, their belief system that they put out the trink, you know, they find it, they find one that they think is it. And then they bring out all the trinkets and they pick and choose and then they dictate that's the one that knows it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love stories like that. It does seem innocent. You know, we've done the haunted live and one of the, I forget who it was. He had said he saw his grandmother in a certain dress. And then the mother knew that that, that was me. Was that you? Is yeah. that right? Cause I, you know, yeah. I talked to everybody on haunted live. And so that story, I still tell that to everybody because when I hosted the show, people were always like, um, you know, what was, you know, they were like, what was your real opinion? Cause I was kind of behind the scenes of the wizard of Oz. I got behind the curtain and saw all you guys. And I was, I did. And I told everyone, I said, I never had an experience that made me kind of go down that path, but I don't know that it doesn't exist. And then you told me a story, how you described your grandmother's dress she was wearing. And then your mother was like, well, that's what she was buried in, but you weren't at the funeral. And those are these stories that are, uh, that, you know, still to this day are the reason that, you, you, you know, all these fans are out there still wondering how it works. So it's interesting. Very strange. Our next one is called On the Ball. When I was young, I apparently had a few odd interactions with animals. For example, I would always know that a person had animals before we went into the house. They also tended to come over to me before my parents. These events were mostly just little things that were probably explainable by me being a fairly observant little kid. The one thing that sticks out to my parents, though, is that the one time we went to a new car garage to have them work on our car. As we pull up, the owner has a big, old, black lab just laying in the middle of the lobby. The guy informs us that the dog is comfortable with people and that we can pet him if we want. I shake my head and say, he's sad, though. My dad looks at me and asks why I think that, and I reply, he lost his ball. He's so sad right now. My dad said that the owner immediately went pale, stared at me for a minute, and then looked at my dad and said, he's had a favorite ball for 10 years. That just went down the sewage drain yesterday. I couldn't fish it back out. I have no idea how your son could have known that. Again, that innocence of a child, right? That animal communication. I've seen little kids have unbelievable, I got to call it telepathic, conversations with animals because the kid will be and the animal's listening intently and then goes and does something and brings it to the child and that's what the kid was looking for i'm i'm baffled by that every time i see it but i love that connection that innocence that pure love of children and animals and i think god yeah that that would totally make sense to me that there would be some kind of communication and some kind of uh of connectivity that they're able to do that yeah, I agree. I mean, the th the beauty of connection with animals. My kids are very uh, connected with animals. They love them, and they'll say stuff like that sometimes. They kind of, you know, the the. I mean, animals have amazing emotions in their faces and stuff right. and sadness. But to be that specific is very is very crazy. But yeah, it's uh, I, very. Strange. I mean, obviously, the the. If I did come back, how great would it be to come back as a dog? I mean, just to be like like you know where people just it's like oh pick up your poop. Oh, how great would that be? Give me a snack. Oh yeah, let's do this, man. Pet, pet, little stomach rub. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all over it. When you said at first, when you said uh, he lost his ball, I was like, yeah, I hope he lost both of them because that's how it's supposed <laughs> to work. But uh, 
Sorry, man. You know, my brain goes for that twisted joke every time. I'm with you. More the next story is joke, Jamie. No, no. <laughs> the man in the big blue house. That's the name of this next tale. When I was a kid, my family lived in a blue house that was oddly shaped. One year, the house got completely gutted and nearly destroyed by a flood. They had to knock down a wall between the living room and the kitchen. So after the flood, you could see all the way down the hall to my parents' bedroom door. This house was and still is very strange, for lack of a better term. I was a terrible sleeper as a kid and would routinely wake up and just go into the living room and watch cartoons on low volume if I couldn't go back to sleep. Well, one morning, I'm out in the living room sitting across the chair with my feet up on the windowsill. Don't ask me why. I was a stupid eight-year-old. Then, from where the chair was, I could see just over the kitchen counter, down the hallway to my parents' room. A movement caught my eye. I looked up and saw the shadowy outline of a man walking towards me. Kind of near to my parents' door, thinking it was my dad, I said something like, Hey, Dad, sorry if the TV was too loud. My dad is a notoriously light sleeper and would wake up from anything, so I assumed that this was the explanation from what I was seeing, except there was no response. Within seconds, the weight of my foot breaks the window I was leaning on, and my foot ends up going through the glass. I screamed as loud as I could. My parents quickly woke up to figure out what was going on at 4.30 in the morning. I definitely saw the outline of a man. There was no way it was my dad. A, because he came bounding out of the bedroom after my scream. And B, I realized that the shoulders of that outline were much higher than what my dad's would have been. Fast forward to a few years ago, we've moved far away from the blue house and my mom and I are hanging out and catching up. And for some reason, the blue house comes up and I tell my mom that the place still gave me the creeps and that weird stuff that happened when I was a kid. My mom's response, oh, you saw the shadow man too. Do you think parents should keep that? I mean, if you're, if Jamie, you started seeing weird stuff in your house and your kids are 10, 11, 12, would you take them aside and be like, hey, guys, I, you know, if, if anything weird happens, you can always tell mom and dad, you know, if you see something strange in the house, would you set that precedent or would you just sit back and wait for them to come to you? So I've, I've, I've had trouble with that my whole life dealing with my kids, right? I've been a, a dad now for 34 years. At what point do you tell them certain things? And if I preset their mind that I think we have a ghost, does that make them act or react strangely? What would you do? I wouldn't plant the seed. I would I would try to create an open uh, course of discussion and say, hey, if anything, there's nothing you can't tell me. But I think if you plant the seed, then they're going to, you know, then people see what they what they think they're supposed to see. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I remember as a kid seeing, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and your brain definitely plays tricks and you see shadows and lights all the time. I mean, as a kid, life, life in general is pretty terrifying. Um, so I don't know. I, um, I think, uh, it's interesting that it's very specific, by the way, Shadow Man, great movie title, right? I think there's a couple of them out there with that title by now. Yeah. Shadow Man? Yeah. yeah. I didn't Shadow see Man, Shadow Man. Yeah. I mean, here we go. All, the, yeah. Yeah. The Shadow I know is, uh, Alec Baldwin. They need to remake that as well. That was a pretty good, uh, premise. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, what was the other one I just saw there? Dark Man. Sam Raimi might be going back to do some of the Darkman movies. Liam Neeson. Yes. 
All right. Do you want you to like the Beatles? I'll very quick. I'll tell you a very yeah, quick crazy it. story sure. about Darkman. I was in the Navy at the time. I was getting out of the Navy in about a week, maybe maybe two weeks. And so I went to the dentist and the guy said, uh, well, all four of your wisdom teeth have come in and, you know, you'll have them out years from now, but you don't, you don't need to take them out. It'll be fine, whatever. But, and I go, well, I, in two weeks, I'm out. Of, I don't have any insurance. So pull them because <laughs> I only have two weeks left in the Navy, right? And I, I know I'm going to be uninsured as soon as I go to the Navy. So they pull them all. Takes to come out pretty quickly or whatever. I have the rest of the afternoon off. So I go to see Darkman. I had just had all four wisdom teeth pulled. And I uh, I go to the movies. I'm, I still have cotton. And I'm like, I'm in Long Beach, California. The girl's looking at me like this, like, what? I'm like, Dark Man? Dark Man? And I go in and then I, I get a soda or whatever. And everyone's like, like freaked out. Nowadays, they probably call the police on me immediately. Right. And so I go in, uh, I watch the movie. I get home that night. I look in the mirror. There's blood all over the front of my shirt. Oh, <laughs> no. It was on my chin. I couldn't feel anything. I went to the movies with blood all over my chin and all down my sh- all over my sweatshirt. People were all day. I was like, why are people staring at me like I'm an insane person? I'm covered in blood. Because you look like uh, a zombie that had a fresh eat, I guess. But I had my wisdom teeth out for free, thanks to the U.S. government. So uh, the story ends. Thanks, Very U.S. Happy. government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the long and winding stairs. That's our next story, Jamie Kaler. Sweet. My grandmother was a real estate agent in Rhode Island. I was staying with her one summer and she had to take me along to see a potential listing. It was a very strange house because it was circular. All the rooms went along the outside and connected to each other. And there was a center part with a little garden that was open to the sky. She went up to the second story and I stayed downstairs because I wanted to walk around the loop just one more time. The problem started when I'd walked a full loop but didn't see the staircase that I had started from. I thought I must be confused. So I kept going to the next room and still I couldn't find the staircase. At this point, I began to panic. So I began running around the house as fast as possible, checking every room for that staircase, and there weren't any. Finally, I sat down by the front door and just started crying. A little while later, my grandmother ran into the entryway room, looking just as panicked as I had been. She started asking where I was hiding, why I was hiding, and why I was not answering when she was calling out to me. I never heard her calling out to me at all. Actually, the house seemed so still and quiet while I was sitting there that I was sure she had forgotten me and just left me there. 15 years later, I brought this up to my mom and asked her if she knew anything or whether this was all just a crazy childhood nightmare that I'm remembering. When she told me, she remembered it clearly because my grandmother had called her, absolutely terrified because she couldn't explain what had happened and she thought she had lost me or that I had been taken by someone while she was merely distracted doing her job. That's a weird time slip phenomenon. That's that's like stuff of nightmares. You walk into one room, turn around, and the room has changed behind you. You can't find the door you came in from. You can't find your way out. That's a whole new level of holy, right? I have so, dreams like that sometimes. Do you do that? You, you know, you're in, you can't, you're just in something and you can't get out of it. 
mm-hmm. it's like this crazy feeling of like you're still like you're you know you you're like it's right there and you can't reach it uh maybe it was an escher staircase where it just went up and then went right back to its beginning and you it just goes on an escher are you trying to tell me that you're in that moment right now you feel like you're in something you just can't get out of <laughs> okay what happened? I was on this podcast and it literally never ended. I was there forever in an infinite amount. And honestly, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I could have stayed there even longer. It was nuts. Um, Field of Nightmares is our next story. When I was 10 years old, I often visited a friend who lived about four miles away from me. To get there, I had to walk next to a huge cornfield with only a couple of houses on the side of it. After spending some time at this house, I had to walk back home. The street I walked on was mostly empty and There was rarely anyone walking their dog or jogging there. So I was alone and there was uh, no one around most of the time. The houses were always empty and looked like people simply left them behind and nobody moved in. With windows barricaded and doors always shut, one day I walked back home and my shoelace came undone. I bent over to tie it when all of a sudden it happened. I saw a shadow reaching over me. I quickly looked behind me and saw an old lady with short black hair. She was standing right behind me and had the scariest smile. She then started reaching for my shoulder. Only a few inches away from me, I immediately began to run for my life, only turning around one more time to see her still standing there, still staring at me with that evil smile. I ran all the way to my house and broke down crying when I got home. My parents told me that nobody lives in that house. I walked by the house a few more times over the last 11 years, but I've never seen anyone near that house again, and it still stands empty. I have no explanation for what happened that day, but I get shivers just sharing this story. Sounds like a witch. That's, I mean, that's a witch to me. And she was going to eat him. There's no two ways about it. That kid was going to get eaten. And honestly, how That's why I bring you on. It's the expertise. How old was 10 years old. Yeah. 10. That's when they're the most delicious. That's, and that's in a witch... There's a whole recipe book for witches, and I think you want to get a kid. Maybe at some point she was like, "He's too, he's too old." Maybe she wanted like an eight-year-old, and she was like, "You know, when you, it's like when you're picking an avocado when you're at the store, and you're like, well, this thing's not going to be right for three days, and I want to make dinner tonight with it.' And then if you get the really ripe one, you get home and you're like, ah, it's too ripe.' So when witches choose children, I mean, they're very specific about the stew they're making, and so whatever dish she was about to prepare, obviously that kid didn't fit the menu. You know, it was like the sushi when the guys go pick the fish in the market. You know, some fish don't get picked. And that kid did not get it. I mean, he should be thankful. Right. He was first. Yeah. He's not he's not in the delicious age range. The big sleep. I'm a parent of toddlers and kids now, and I have a creepy story from last year. We were driving with my then three year old son in the car when we stopped at a red light to a cemetery. Mm -hmm. Out of nowhere, my son looked over at the cemetery and said something very disturbing. It's impossible to forget. He told us, there are people laying down there. They can't get up. We all kind of shuddered and didn't know how to react. My wife asked my son what he was talking about. And again, he pointed to the cemetery and said, all of the people laying down in that park, they're stuck. My wife and I just looked at each other in silence. We were both completely freaked out. And at this point in our son's life, there had been no deaths or losses in our family. And we'd never discussed the concept of passing away with him. I'm still creeped out when I think about it. Yeah. I would set him up for a couple appointments with a therapist, uh, someone who looks like Bruce Willis, probably. And then what I would do is uh, make sure that he (laughs) 
with these dead people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, no. I mean. That's yeah. when you just drop the kid off. I don't need that kind of drama in my life, Jamie. When little kids are talking Listen, about that, it might have been. You know, back in the old days, they had the little uh, tube that went up, and uh, there'd be a little string right. with a bell. And if you weren't quite dead, you'd ring the bell, and they'd come. Like that? Did that ever work once in the history of humanity? I don't when know. When the dairy dude, that guy, and they just sat up up on the top, and they were listening for the bell for a few weeks. No, he's no, he's gone. That guy's gone. Dead ringers, dead ringers. Saved by the bell. No, yeah, it is saved by the bell. Dead ringers. Yep. I know you thought saved by the bell came from Zach and Kelly and Slater, but no. Dead ringers is a uh, it's a David Cronenberg film too. Really, yes, it is. Jason Lee, but um, uh, so that's where the term comes from—a dead ringer. So Mm -hmm. explain because when he's a dead ringer for somebody. So you well, that's say, another version. A dead ringer means you look alike. Right. Boy, so, that guy's a dead ringer. But what a dead ringer actually was, was they would go and they would excavate coffins to find something and they would realize there were claw marks inside the coffin sometimes. And people started panicking. So yeah. cemetery officials and, and coffin uh, makers decided, well, we'll make it so that there's a string that goes up in an air hole. But if it rained, you're screwed, right? You're just flooding the air hole. But uh, <clears throat> so we'll do this. And then could you imagine these grave diggers were always some battered up old man. Could you imagine you just start hearing ding, 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 like you're going to get out there and dig six feet below in enough time to save somebody at that point? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they did no have way. that. So here's what I mean. It tells you that at some point they buried somebody who they thought was dead, who was not dead. Many times. It's oh, that God, Monty Python story. Like, Bring out your dead, and he brings the guy out, and the guy's like, "I'm not, I'm not dead yet." He goes, "Yeah, but if you don't take him now, I have to keep him till next Tuesday." He goes, and he looks around, he goes, "Bam!" And takes him with him. He goes, oh, "Thanks, a little tip for you." Uh, that's so funny. That's so that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that is so intriguing to me about uh, about mortality. Yeah. What what does it really mean? What are we seeing? What are people open to? Dude, I, on a daily basis, I'm sitting. I'm sitting here with you know my children, and over the weekend, and even then, I'm thinking about like, what's it all about? You know, it's like it, it, that's that famous song. Is that all there is? You know that song? <laughs> yes. If that's all there is. And you're like every day, you're just going through the grind of like, here we go. Turned on the news this morning. I saw monkeypox is coming. I was like, fantastic. Here we go, brother. Yeah, monkeypox. What other black plague disease can we bring back? Yes, at some point, is the earth just like, yeah, there's too many of you. We need to get rid of some. I think it is. The the earth is shaking its leaves off. I think, honestly, at some point, the party's full. And they're like, the fire marshal has to show up. The fire marshal's the virus and goes, listen, I... We need 15 of you guys to get out of here. The room's too full. It, I don't know. Does it ever make you wonder, though, when we, we get through these moments and we're like, but why, Jamie and I, why are we still here? <laughs> Did the earth think, these guys got to go, but keep Kaler and Schrader. We need them around. For a bit. For a bit. Yeah. That's our that's our path. Everyone's on their own path, man. And that's the beauty of all this stuff. I think it's fantastic. Everyone's path. And you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, it's your journey. You know, She won't brush her teeth. They go, hey, I, I can tell you all until I'm red in the face to brush your teeth at the end of the day you're going to be stinky breath girl do you want to be stinky breath girl i'm not going to do it it's, this is a you problem so you gotta this is a you, you know, problem this is your vehicle and i do i say that to them all the time she'll talk about like she doesn't like her face or her hair or something I'm like oh, listen doesn't matter this is your vehicle this is your, you just picked up your keys from the valet this is the car you got 
it's yours for the ride. So you take care of it and enjoy it the best you can. And then hopefully if it all works out, when that ride's over, you jump to a, a, a different ride. But yeah, that's why I think the whole reincarnation thing's so interesting. I do think this is a vessel that we're all kind of traveling through. So I don't know. And I'm like a I'm like an Edsel. Smelly, farty, kind of leaking oil a little too often. Yeah. Sturdy. A sturdy car though. <laughs> sturdy. You know, sturdy. I miss those old days with remember when bumpers were designed to bump? Yeah. Now, if you Not even crumple. touch your bumper, the guy's like $3,500 to fix that. It's a bumper. It's supposed to bump. It's not supposed to, it's not called a buckler. It's a bumper. You touch 70... somebody's car and then you, there's four scratches and you take it to the dealership and the guy's like, yeah, four grand. No. I had it's a 77 this... Cutlass Supreme oh. and I slid off the road, hit two oh. concrete pylons, blew them up, knocked over a telephone pole. I could drive away and I drove to the the dealer guy or to the uh, um, auto body shop, they replaced my front wheel and said, oh, we could pound out those dents, but they kind of give the car character. And my car worked absolutely fine for another five years after that 77 Cutlass Supreme. And I got it in 87. When I was a kid, so, we had one refrigerator for my entire life. And now our refrigerator, you know, the refrigerators break down. They, they want to put the console on the front. So it plays music and TV and uh, it's got an Alexa in it. And then that dies two years down and you go and you go, well, the, the panel on the front doesn't work. And he goes, yeah, you could replace that. But honestly, it's cheaper to buy a whole new refrigerator. And you're like, oh, I get it. I get yep. it. The billionaires needed a little more cash. I get it. Just a little bit. Planned more. Off. So they can make a light bulb that never breaks. They, they have the capability. But where's the money in that? Shut your whore mouth. You Don't shut your those. corporate <laughs> overlord. When I come back. You come back as the lead of the Parents' Lounge. Check it out tomorrow night, guys. Parents Unite at the Parents' Lounge every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific. And you can keep an eye out on them at their social media pages because not only do you do Tuesdays, I've noticed you popping up on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. Is it just depending on how bored you really are and time to kill? Or, it's or honestly, it's whenever I, need a, <laughs> it's whenever I need a parental mental health moment of um you know the safety in numbers i think and and you know it's we call it the parent normal right and so uh yeah I love it. uh you know listen anybody out there who's a parent knows we all get in our own mind i don't think it's just about that i think it's life in general and it's why i love talking about this stuff with you is because we get so caught up in our own moments that we lose the big picture we don't see the floor and go look everyone's going through the same stuff man we're all trying to get through this thing with as much joy and as little pain as humanly possible and there is something about uh the human connection that makes it all so much more palatable and enjoyable in a way where you just and we share stories and we're i mean that's you do it i watch your show and i see you share these stories of and we just read a bunch of them and it's it makes everybody else feel like oh it's not just me. We're all in this together. And, right. and it brings a, a certain camaraderie to, uh, to us as humans, I believe. Couldn't agree more. After school special. I like that moment. I feel that way. I do. I, yeah, I, maybe it's having kids <laughs> or something. It brings out the sensitivity in you. And, you know, we I talk like about this it. all the time. My kids are, uh, they're extensions of my nervous system. I was telling them, I go, every time I see you in pain, I'm in pain. And every time I see, like my daughter's doing a talent show this week and she has panic attacks and she, I go, why, why would you sign up for this? And she goes to rehearse and it's not, it's not great. 
not great. And I'm like, you need to practice if you're going to do this. And all of a sudden I start to feel really anxious. And I'm like, I'm not in a talent show. What do I care? But I can't yeah, help right. it. I feel like I'm like cringing when like watching, I'm watching the guy on the tracks and I'm seeing a train come at it and I can't stop it, Dave. We can't live the lives for our children that we yeah. wish we could. But all we can do is encourage them because you know what? Look at how many comedians, actors, musicians, artists started off with parents going, oh, my God. And now they're Jamie Kaler. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to use that analogy. I love, I love that. I, love, yeah. I like it, too. Thanks again for joining us, Jamie. It's always great catching up with you. Folks, make sure to check out the Parents Lounge and keep up with Jamie Kaler, Jason Gowan, and team as they bring you in the laughs and, and love every week talking about being parents and what it's like to live in this new world with children and responsibilities. Life after death is the focus of investigations worldwide. What does our physical death really mean? And is there something beyond that? If so, what could it be? Afterlife mysteries are fascinating. Whether you believe we go on to live other lives or haunt homes, hospitals, and God forbid, our places of employment, theories and concepts abound. Each deliver their own mind-blowing concepts and each give us hope for something beyond this moment. I'd like to thank my special guest, Jamie Kaler. Remember to check out the Parents Lounge every Tuesday night and watch for special bonus episodes weekly. Thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. May the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we share here. We are more similar than you may think. What comes next is intriguing, but do yourself a favor. Focus on life during life more than life after life so that you can enjoy all this life has to offer. Instead of wondering what comes next, make this a life worth remembering instead of a life that leaves you haunted, wandering, and seeking to find what you missed. Make sure to like this video and podcast, subscribe, and tell everyone you know about it. And for our new podcast listeners, welcome to our beautiful family of the paranormal. And please rate and review this show. Go ahead, give it five stars. It costs you nothing. You know you want to do it. Make sure that you give a review as well. That helps me help you help me. So please be involved with that. We'll see you again later on this week with the Paranormal 60 new Minute News with Dave Schrader and company. And we'll be back again next week with more of the best in paranormal programming. You've been listening to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. <laughs>